on our way to Ontario to pick up a truck from my Uncle Lorne and Andy Kay in Port Rowan, Ontario, and we stopped one afternoon to swim and have supper. The water was clear and shallow close to the shore, so we walked to the end of the pier. There we found university-age students challenging each other to jump in, pick up a rock, and carry it as far as they could until they had to come up for air. We watched, and Dad said to me, You can do better than that. I didn't wait. I jumped in, grabbed a rock, and started walking, going almost twice as far as the best effort by these young men. As much as they tried, they couldn't equal what my brothers and I did that day on the pier. I was so confident that I thought I'd burst out of my swimsuit. I'm Jungle Jim Hunter, and you're listening to 831 Living Your Best Life Podcast, where we inspire participation, communicate precision, and empower performers to podium. And we hope that you will tell your friends and relatives and co-workers to go to their favorite podcast provider or junglejimhunter.com or YouTube and subscribe, download, click on like, rate and review us, and become an 831-er, somebody that makes a difference in somebody else's life because you live your best life inspired by this podcast. Well, it's 22 days to the 32nd Olympic Games and 53 days to the 16th Paralympic Games, and I hope you will watch and support our teams. You may have thought I was blaming my parents yesterday for not being better at the Olympics in 1972. Not at all. If that's what you picked up, well, that was not what I was laying down. I did struggle, though, through my whole racing career and most of my life until I learned how to deal with it. Once I made it to the national team level because I had violent emotional swings because of what happened to me when I was 10, that I had no one to teach me how to handle it. Once racing was finished in 1981, I started working in the business world and realized very quickly that emotional helpers used to win a race or beat a competitor did not work in the business world. No, I lost a few jobs because, well, I got a little too emotional. You train alone most of the time, and if you had a bad day, an outburst was and is considered part of the makeup of an elite athlete. But it's not the right thing to do. I continued to ask what was wrong with me and have studied it all my life. Once I had figured out what was happening, I wondered if it was still the case today in sport and in families, and thus the concept sportcology. It didn't take very long before I realized it was still the case today. Emotional intelligence is new and was published the first time in the mid-90s. When I speak to groups and offer to discuss emotional intelligence and its effect on performance, there are very few that want to look into it because it gets personal. When you get in trouble, it's your emotions that cause the problems. It's not your thinking. When an athlete in the games is having trouble performing, when a professional team seems to have it all together and then loses it, it's often a case of emotional upheaval in some of the players, and in a team sport, you need everyone pulling the oars in the same direction. I started training kids and realized most of the kids make dramatic strides once we get them emotionally balanced. This is done with proper training and without the use of drugs. I started looking and researching the parents and discovered it was true with them as well. Parents either have these tools or they don't but can be taught if they are willing to do what is required for a person to grow in emotional intelligence. They need congruency. These are parents that are who they say they are and act as they are. They do what they say and they say what they do. This was discovered working with their kids, first of all. Kids that are honest with themselves rarely struggle, and kids that think they have to do more than they are struggle the most to make the greatest progress. 
If I know I have to train now because that's what's important right now, and I do it first and I do it with all I have, and they do it with all they have, they own it and are true to themselves. The work is done so they rest emotionally in the fact that their future is secure because they have done what they know they can do right now. Their parents live intentionally. These parents have a plan. They raise them to handle life and they live to that level. First things first, then you have time for free-range activities. Was it just these parents? I pursued it with Olympic and Paralympic parents, and my research with over 500 sets proved in our findings that they were the same. The Olympic and Paralympic child somehow was taught to do what's important now, owning the moment, and thus the future becomes reachable or one. Kids are the same in the congruent and non-congruent families. They don't like training any more or less than the other. It's equal that way. Nobody likes the training. Nobody likes the discipline. Nobody likes to be told what to do. However, the difference is that the parents intentionally live in such a way that doing what's important now has to be done before anything else is done. I'll use one of the dozens of illustrations I could use so that you can understand what I mean. I grew up without a TV, not because there's anything wrong with TV, but rather because my parents did not see it as essential to being intentionally prepared for life. When we researched hundreds of Olympic and Paralympic athletes and their parents, screen time was available, but only after everything else that was intentionally important to do in their upbringing was done. You saw them earning five minutes and 10 minutes and 15 minutes of screen time once essentials to live were done. Training, practicing, chores, homework, bed made, clean room, washing the dishes, putting the garbage out, and all kinds of chores had to be done now so they owned the time and won the right for free time. The interesting thing is the free time then didn't matter. The parents made sure they were ready to live and handle life so other things did not handle their kids. A child is emotional. We're emotional. I'm emotional. If the emotions run the person, though, both the child and the parents have lost the ability to be congruent with handling life. When challenged, they will not be able to challenge a challenge because they have not learned how to do what's important now so they own it the next time it comes around. How did my brothers and I know we could outdistance university students? We knew because of the smile on my dad's face and because we knew what he had taught us. When dad said, challenge those guys, we knew dad had taught us to expand our lungs for sports and singing by carrying rocks underwater in the Swift Current Creek on days when we didn't have to work in the fields on the farm. Dad wanted us to be hockey players. He also had us sing, and we had to have big lungs to hold notes long, and we had to have oxygen to not get tired of skating, so we had contests holding our breath all the time. We held our breath underwater. We held our breath swimming and staying alive and being comfortable swimming as far as we could underwater. All this time as a boy being prepared, doing what's important now, so we own something other kids were afraid to even do. So our future was already won. What about your dream, your kids' dreams, your employees' dreams, your company's dreams? Are you moving intentionally to it, or are you incongruent and not honest with yourself and your plans? Do you know you need to change something, but your emotions are pushing you around 
And yet you keep making the excuses that, well, it's just not the right time, or maybe next time, or maybe next year. You know, emotions never throw a punch, but they can take you out of the games. My quote for the day, the road of confidence is paved with actions, not just good intentions. Thank you for listening, and I hope you will have grown and will be living your best life the next time we meet.